0: Here we go. It's episode 12 of RJ Bell's Dream Preview, the NBA edition, with myself, Joe Sorallo, and my man, Mackenzie Rivers. I'm on a bit of a skid and deferring my best bet last episode to Mackenzie, since we both had the same best bet. That did me no favors, but Mackenzie up to 8-3. My man, weren't you 2-3 at one point?
1: I was. I was 2-3, yep. Six in a row, and... You did come in with the best bet. I mean, you can do no better. You can. You said, hey, Mackenzie, I'm ready for my pod, our podcast together. And I think the Grizzlies are going to beat the Nuggets. And they won as four-point dogs. The money still spends. doesn't matter if you get the credit, I get the credit. Money still spends. You had the right idea. And that's why you keep cashing. We keep cashing. Let's go.
0: There we go. There we go. What are we? 14 and... Six. Seven?
1: 14 and six? Okay. Yeah, it's an even number, I'm pretty sure. It's one oh, long, oh, I'm isn't? sorry.
0: 14 and eight. 14 and okay. eight. Yeah, not not bad on the season. Not bad. So let's 64%. dive in. 4%. Let's go. I love it. We've got an Anthony Davis sighting, McKenzie. AD set to return to the Lakers tonight in Brooklyn for game 3 of this six-game East Coast road trip that now we've spent three straight episodes covering for the Lakers. What kind of impact do you think he's going to have on this team? not just down the line, we know what he provides down the stretch run, but in the immediate future, because this, this six-game road trip, there's a reason we keep talking about it, right? The Lakers have to go at least four and two. They're one and one so far. What's he going to provide right now?
1: It's a great question. Anthony Davis is probably the most in-and-out superstar we've had in a while. I mean, his rookie year, he hurt his hand. Uh just seems to have that kind of body. Cards on the table. I'm a bit of an Anthony Davis apologist. He, went, he was from Chicago. Uh, my mom and dad started a charter school and at the same time a different charter school was started called uh, Perspectives, which was like 80 kids. Anthony Davis was one of those kids, just a 6'2 point guard in eighth grade going to Perspectives. (laughs) And he ended up being a seven foot NBA superstar. So I'm always going to root for the kid. And I'll say this about him too, real quickly. His first year in Kentucky, they hadn't won in 20 years. They win a championship. First time, first Game in LA. I mean, first season with the LA Lakers hadn't won since Kobe. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. They win a championship. So, Anthony Davis has a lot of critics out there. Some people call him soft. Nobody likes a guy that gets hurt all the time. I'm sure he doesn't care for it either. But, a major impact. I mean, you're looking at a team. I mean, that's the answer to the question. A major impact, I think, he usually has because he's that kind of star. And this team is bottom five in defense. This is a team that was, you know, had their championship run and had, you know, a lot of success throughout last season when they, when they had everybody in the court being a top five defense, not a bottom five defense. So Anthony Davis perennial defensive player of the year, he comes back, he lets LeBron do less scoring, pick up his defensive intensity a bit because that's kind of been waning in my opinion. And it just gives them another, another great body, less Westbrook, you know, less bad shots, and uh, more like the 2019 Lakers with the balance in the front court and the defense. So I think it, I think he makes a major impact, especially in this game. By the way, I don't I don't disagree with the market. I was kind of shocked when the when I saw it because the Nets are a number one or a number two team in the East, and the Lakers are floundering. But the Lakers are three and a half point favorites here right now at Fanduel, and I don't disagree with it. Uh, if it was closer to Pick'em, it would have been it would have been my best bet. So I still lean the Lakers. Might end up betting it because. You know, I've talked on this podcast about players not having the best impact when they first come back, and that might be true here, but a couple things mitigate that for me. One, he was questionable on Saturday versus the Heat, so he was already getting to that point where he could be close to 100%. And it's just the perfect team to bully against coming back from an injury. The Nets don't scare you in the front court. Get some swats on KD. I mean, not going to be there. Uh, Kyrie and Harden, and I think it's a good game. I think they're very intentional bringing him back for this game. And I think it bodes well for the chances of winning and covering.
0: Yeah, you know, it's funny because I think we had identical reactions when we saw that line, like, whoa, 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 Lakers minus three and a half against, you know, the Nets who are a half game behind Miami for the one seed in the East. But then it clicks. All right, there's no Durant. And then exactly what you said, the Nets do not have a fierce front court. And then, you know, you mentioned Harden and Kyrie. Don't forget the games in Brooklyn. No Kyrie. All of a sudden, it's like, whoa, we're looking at James Harden versus the LA Lakers. And at first I'm thinking, you know, is this the wrong game to bring Anthony Davis back for? Should he have been brought back for, you know, maybe a lower intensity game, like maybe Orlando the other night. And now I'm thinking this might not be the highest intensity game on this road trip. You know, Philly is going to be a much tougher contest. Charlotte might even be a tougher contest. This is essentially James Harden, And and I have to shout him out because he's my guy, because I talk about him more on this show than any other show. James Harden and Patty Mills versus the LA Lakers. And, you know, I don't think Davis is expected to come into this game and play 34 minutes and bang bodies and put up 30 and 10. But I think that this is going to be a good chance for him to get his legs underneath him. This way, he's ready for Charlotte. He's ready specifically for Philly, because hold up Joel Embiid is all of a sudden making a run at the MVP. And he's kind of been an outlier, you know, fourth or fifth in the race. Now with what he's doing lately, Embiid's playing his best ball of the season, and Anthony Davis is going to be crucial in that game against Philly. So this is actually, I think, the perfect time to bring him back. He won't be asked to do too much off the bat. I think LeBron and all of a sudden, the Russ that we're seeing on this road trip should be able to handle the Nets uh, in and of themselves. You know, Russ is having a really good start to this road trip. And you mentioned, you know, getting Russ less shots. Well, finally, things are starting to click for him. I mean, I know it's just a two-game sample size, but ever since Frank Vogel benched him for the final four minutes of the Indiana contest, he's averaging 21, 10 boards, eight assists, and most impressively, these next two numbers, shooting efficiently, over 53% from the floor, and he's got a plus 10 margin when he's on the court so far these two games at Orlando and at Miami. That margin is definitely what sticks out the most to me. Because when he's been out there, he's been hurting his team, and Vogel acknowledged that by benching him down the stretch versus Indiana. All of a sudden now, he's helping his team. And if that can continue, if we can see that two-game sample size translate to this entire road trip, and then continue well beyond that, all of a sudden the Lakers get dangerous.
1: I like the analysis a lot. Westbrook only three turnovers the last couple games, keeping that in check. And this is a big big thing in sports betting what you're identifying here is you can look at a five game stretch a seven game stretch 15 game stretch and you can put some impressive numbers together define why that stretch is repeatable and define whether or not or how long you expect it to repeat here Westbrook got called out he got benched quite literally in a must win game for a team that's on the uh, fringe of the playoffs yeah he is a prideful man and he took notice of that And remember, Westbrook is probably the highest variance player from a game-to-game basis we've seen. I mean, he's so high intensity, so high velocity that you don't know necessarily uh, where everything's going to ricochet and land. But when he gets it going the last couple years, like the second half of the season against the Rockets, when he was shooting 50% from the floor, not taking a lot of threes, scoring 30 a game for like a 20-game stretch— how about last year when he had like 10 triple doubles in a row and took the Wizards from a like a 2% or 5% chance to make the playoffs to actually in the play-in play game? So Westbrook's been known to do this. He's been known to bounce back. He's been known to be at his best when people count him out. So I wouldn't be surprised if this two-game stretch is repeatable. And then you got to love the Lakers. Uh, you know, where they're priced right now is no Anthony Davis and a bad Westbrook. If we get a good Westbrook and Anthony Davis looking like Anthony Davis – about a, a six seven point upgrade right there so uh exciting stuff if you're a lakers fan uh, if you're a lebron hater like me you're a little worried <laughs> you've no, softened up a bit uh you know oh, thank you i i, I re- it's funny because there's not many basketball players i respect more than lebron that really i mean he's an all-time great he's been a fan i've been a fan of his to watch but i just don't my, pers- my perspective my perception of him is just different from other people other people think i'm crazy but you got to be a little crazy to to, to uh, bet against the world's opinion like we do in sports betting and win.
0: Absolutely. So. It's very true. And I, I think I heard a clip of RJ and AJ on a different show talking about you and how, you know, you gave them the same sentiment you shared here on this show that LeBron was like eighth on your all-time list. And then they kind of checked you and it sounded like the way that they were at least relaying how that conversation went. It sounded like yeah. you went back on that and we're like, all right, I guess he's a little better than me. Yeah, uh,
1: it's, it's how you <laughs> define how you define greatness when I'm, I'm thinking of, of the pantheon of the NBA. Yeah. There's not eight guys before LeBron. And that's, that's a fact.
0: Fair enough. Well, Mackenzie, let's dive into this game because the Lakers are three and a half point road favorites in this one. And all season long, the Lakers and Nets have been two of the worst teams in the league. In fact, to be exact, they are two of the worst three teams in the league to bet on. Only the Nuggets have been worse than both of these squads all season. But, you know, you mentioned what we do here when we bet sports. And I think one of the best things that we try to do, and it's so difficult, but if you really want to try to get an edge, it's not just identifying trends. It's being early on those trends. It's looking at a two or three game sample size and trying to identify it so that when a team goes on a 10 game streak, you're riding them that whole time so that you're not coming on for game 11 when the streak ends, which happens all too frequently. So, Russ, and looking at him and the Lakers and this two game streak, this two game stretch that they're on, I'm saying now is the time to buy stock, that they're going to get progressively better, that Anthony Davis is not going to be the go to guy in this Nets game, but he might be against Philly or against Charlotte. Russ is not making mistakes right now. The Nets are not a plus defensive team. James Harden, certainly not a plus defensive player. I'm taking the Lakers minus three and a half now. I think. This game is a turning point. This whole road trip is a turning point for them. And I'm gonna say start riding the Lakers.
1: Make a lot of great points here. In fact, you've convinced me this will be my best bet for two reasons. One, I forgot that I forgot oh. that Kyrie wasn't playing. That's a big factor that I didn't factor in and I thought three and a half was right. So now I gotta add, add another couple points back in the Lakers' favor. And this, you mentioned it won't be the most intensity game high intensity game for Anthony Davis to come back because the front court for the Nets doesn't really scare you. It also won't be the most high-intensity environment. I mean, are there going to be more Lakers fans there or Nets fans? It might be pretty close. I feel like there's going to be a buzz in the arena and just for good basketball, not necessarily for the guys from Brooklyn. So, yeah, I, I'll, I'll, I'll still give out my uh, my bonus bet later in the pod. But yep, I'm going with the Lakers minus three and a half. That is my best bet.
0: You hit the nail on the head with the crowd there. By the way, love the early best bet. I'm going to wait till the end now. So all you sorry suckers listening really have to just endure us and and be tortured. Um, But, you know, you mentioned the environment. It's a game that I'm looking at possibly showing up to, not to cheer on the Nets, but because I'm a New Yorker and I want to see LeBron. And anytime LeBron goes to Madison Square Garden, good luck affording it. You know, I, I mean, LeBron at the Barclays Center is any New Yorker's most affordable chance at seeing him. And so, yeah, there really isn't a home court. In fact, because of all the casual fans that'll go to Nets games to see visiting players like Steph, like LeBron, Brooklyn is the worst home team against the spread in basketball. That's right. They're worse than the 5-15 Magic. The Nets are 5-17 against the number at home. I, I love the Lakers in this one. I mean, this is just not a game that I see Brooklyn really hanging in for four full quarters. I think James Harden, you know, we've seen him, especially the last year, year and a half. He's a bit overweight. He's not the James Harden he was in Houston where he could take a game over. He needs Durant. He needs Kyrie. He needs someone. Maybe not both, but someone. And, and I love the Lakers here. I love them as your best bet.
1: I think this is another value for watching the games because a two game sample that you identified isn't going to jump off the page hardly ever, but when you when you see, it, hey man, Westbrook kind of kind of impressed this quarter or this stretch that I mean, I don't know if that's how you found that that stat trend, but generally that's how I start to get to those. And I think you make a really excellent point I want to hammer down on 10 game winning streaks is not the time to jump on those. That is exactly when when it hits the double digits or that's when SportsCenter knows about it. That's when Scott Van Pelt knows about it and talks about it. That's when it's pricey. But when it's a three game and there's a fundamental shift, which may have happened with the Lakers here, it happened with the Rockets. Westbrook's first year there. It happened with the Thunder. I mean, not the Thunder. Uh, The Wizards last year with Westbrook, if we are starting to see that trend, it won't just be uh, against Brooklyn that we start to see the Lakers overperform almost as much as they've underperformed so far this season, making them cheaper, hence the best bet.
0: I love it. I love it. Hey, we've got more games to get to. We've got more storylines to get to. We've already talked about, you know, AD and your connection to him with your home city of Chicago. Let's talk about your Bulls, man, because things still look bad for the Bulls. In fact, they're looking worse and worse every game. Now Alex Caruso added to the injury list. And can we start off by saying Grayson Allen sucks? I mean, are you with me on that?
1: I knew it in Duke. Yep. He's been, he's, he is who he told us he was in college. He spits on people, he trips on people, and he does things like this.
0: He's dirty. He's a piece of garbage. I, I look, I mean, if he hears this, he's going to have an issue with me. I don't care. I hate <laughs> Grayson Allen, and just like you, that goes back to his time at Duke. He just seemed like a smug little Shashevsky golden boy who was just easy to root against from the start. Really oddly almost embraced that villain role. Not like your, your fun villain, like, hey, I'm going to hit a buzzer beater in your face, but I'm going to hurt you and then hit the game winning shop because you're injured and your backup can't guard me. That kind of vibe. I just can't stand him. Now Caruso is out and the Bulls are in big trouble. They have no depth. Forget. I mean, they have no depth at all, period. They're playing a seven-man rotation right now. But at the guard position, you're starting Kobe White. And look, I mentioned how this team could tread water starting Kobe White because Lonzo's out six to eight weeks. Levine should be back in a week or so. And so I figured, all right, Kobe White, that won't kill them. But now they've got Ayo Dosunmu <laughs> playing. I mean, I don't know if I... Did I butcher that name, McKenzie? I was laughing because I have no idea. Okay, exactly, right? So you've got Kobe White and Dasunmu combining for 75 minutes, and that is a serious problem. By the way, if we could get like a little bumper or something that when I say, Ayo, Dasunmu, <laughs> we get like a, a guy from Brooklyn going, Ayo, in the background. That would be perfect. What's up, baby? Take me out to dinner. Hey, yo! Perfect. But when those two guys are combining for 75 minutes and you're running a three-guard rotation, Damar is playing in the front court. Oh, by the way, DeMar's dropping 41, and the Magic are still beating you by 20? I mean, This is literally, like, no exaggeration, this is disaster territory for Chicago. DeMar is putting up 41, your team's not even eclipsing 100, and you're losing to the Magic by 20. If I sound worked up, that's because things are bad, and I'm not exaggerating in the slightest right now in the Windy City.
1: Well, the benefit of being the number one seed, at least briefly is if you shoot for the moon you can fall at least among the stars i think i mean really if you think about the season and what where the where the bulls are i mean you're going to probably lose the one seed and that doesn't help your home court advantage doesn't help you get a playoff seed but i mean there's a reason lebron took 2 weeks off i know it's very different situations in the middle in the middle of the season cuz it helped him and i think having this time off i mean it the injuries doesn't help but you know Levine's going to come back, and in general, I think they'll be fine. I mean, the the market is telling you how terrible they are right now. They were a dog at some points today against the Thunder. So yeah, things are bad. Alex Caruso is another one. We talked about this on Straight Out of Vegas. Another Laker that's been way, way more impressive once he's outside of L.A. We saw this with Julius Randle winning defense, uh, most improved player. Brandon Ingram, former Laker, one most improved player. So, yeah, he was he was a guy. He was he's a real, you know, eight man playoff rotation guy. And uh, that's that's going to hurt him. But they have a lot of depth. So, you know, I'm hopeful they're still going to win their first playoff series. And I don't know, since Derrick Rose.
0: The one thing, though, that would be scaring me because, yes, Levine will be back and that'll happen sooner rather than later. And then Ball and Caruso will be back in time for the postseason. But right now in the East, you have the top six seeds, my man, separated by just two and a half games. So right now, the Eastern Conference, you're reaching, I know we haven't even hit the All-Star break, and these are the dog days of the NBA, right? Watching basketball, if you watch it on a nightly basis right now, some of these games are painful. There's no disputing that. But every game, at least if you're a top six team in the East, every game matters right now. And if you're the Bulls, you're not even that far from reaching play in territory. So yes, those guys will be back come March, come April. Well, for some of them, maybe not until April. But it's like right now, you've already played yourself out of the one seed. Now, you're only a game out of it. But you're also only a game out of being in third place in your own division. I mean, the Bulls can fall just as fast as a team as Cleveland, who was struggling and hit the skids for about two weeks. They've risen lately. And right now in the East, things are so tight that you really can't afford a two-week stretch where you're only playing a seven-man rotation—that's what scares me. Yes, I think in April they'll be at full health, but will they be facing, you know, uh, uh, an opening series where they're a six or a seven seed and they're at Milwaukee right off the bat? That's what really concerns me.
1: Chicago Bulls, by the way, just look this up. Fourteenth strength of schedule. Their opponents are 501, so above 500 down the stretch. I didn't realize how how tight the East has gotten. I looked that up because I'm wondering, hey, if, you know that that could be a two, three game s- swing, depending if you're like the Bucs, have the hardest strength of schedule, uh, or fifty-four percent winners for their opponents. Versus the Grizzlies, a hot team that their their opponents have only won 45% of their games. So expect them to get a little bump up in the standings. But yeah, I mean, the Bulls right now have a half a game on the Cavs and a game and a half on the Sixers. I expect them probably to be you know, at least through this six-game stretch beneath both of those teams, making it much harder to try to win that elusive playoff series.
0: Yeah, Uh, to me, seeding right now in the Eastern Conference is everything. So, you know, I'm not going to sit here and dispute the talent that they will have come April, but it's just, you know, the matchup that they'll have in April that scares me. And how they play right now is going to play a huge factor in setting up who that matchup is with. Let's dive into some more upcoming games. We've already hit on the Lakers, and that's, that's your best bet. Lakers minus three and a half for anyone who might have missed it, skipped it, gone to the bathroom. Hey, yo.
1: What's up, baby? I was thinking, you think the average guy in Brooklyn probably, like, doesn't even like the Nets? Like, probably, like, wants them to No, no, lose. no. The,
0: yeah, like, the average guy in Brooklyn is a Knicks fan. Take me out to dinner. <laughs> right, hey, you know what I mean? As someone who got sent away to Brooklyn every summer from the age of about nine until 15... I can tell you that everyone in Brooklyn is a Knicks fan. And yes, everyone in Brooklyn starts off every conversation by going, hey, yo. <laughs> or maybe it's just because I was in the Bay Ridge Bensonhurst area. I don't know. But over there, hey, yo, is definitely, uh, that means like eight different things wrapped into one. <laughs> we got two more games to get to. One of them is the second leg of a home and home. The first leg going on right now, it's halftime. Phoenix is beating Utah 58 to 56. I think we're all shocked in how close that game is at the moment. They head to Utah for the second leg of the back-to-back on Wednesday. Mackenzie, what are you looking for for this home and home between two of the premier teams in the NBA?
1: Rudy Gobert set out because of a calf strain. Donovan Mitchell still out, missed the last few games. So yeah, the Suns are supposed to dominate this team. They're twelve-point favorites. Now they're all, now they're only winning back by, by a bucket. I don't know. Every team so far this season, and I think you know we're odd times. So I don't think you know season-long. Uh, big picture stuff is is ever irrelevant, and especially not now. Every every team, the Warriors lost four of six, the Bucks lost six of eight, Nets have been struggling, the Lakers obviously have been struggling all year. Every good team hits a lull, so the fact that they're up by a bucket against a you know Jordan Clarkson led squad is probably doesn't say much about uh, anything other than they, they kind of started this game half asleep. So two big questions for them, for this upcoming game. Uh, you said it's on Wednesday. Yeah, it's on Wednesday. So Wednesday, big questions. You got to know Wednesday morning before you even start handicapping this game. What's up with Rudy Gobert? What's up with Donovan Mitchell? If they're both back, this is the number one team by NBA power. I mean, by cleaning the glass net rating. So it filters out garbage time. Number one team in the league still. They were that last year. They're a very efficient regular season team. I wouldn't be surprised if this if they, if they have a little bit of value here considering how bad they've been recently, how good the Suns have been recently, and if they get their players back.
0: One thing that intrigues me right now with this game, uh, Phoenix up two at the half, the live line is still pretty big. It's Phoenix minus nine and a half. Damn it.
1: I was going to guess nine and a half. I was going to say, don't tell me. <laughs>
0: nice. Is that a line that you would play? Would you take the Suns minus nine and a half or do you think Utah can hang in for another 24 minutes here?
1: Well... I wouldn't be anxious to play the Suns, although they've been a great clutch team. Their net rating in the second half has actually been worse than in the first half. So this isn't really a clutch situation when it's when you're nine and a nine-and-a-half point favorite. So they might be taking guys out in the fourth quarter. Uh, I guess nine-and-a-half because I think that number is about right.
0: I'll tell you what. My biggest takeaway right now looking at the box score is that there was a same-game parlay promo on FanDuel. That was Devin Booker over 20. He's at 19. Chris Paul over 10 assists. He's at nine. Mikhail Bridges over four rebounds. He's at three. And the over was like 204 and a half. That same game parlay might hit before the third quarter's done. <laughs> I mean, that was, you know, the over will have to get there in the fourth. That is like the lock of the century. These first half numbers are anyone who took that. And there were thousands of people on FanDuel who took that. They are sitting pretty just waiting for that over to cash in.
1: So re- read those player props one more time at the beginning of the parlay.
0: Yeah, it was Booker over 20 points. He's at nineteen. Yep. Paul, over 10 assists, he's at nine. Bridges, over four boards, he's at three.
1: Ooh. You never know with rebounds. There's a lot of variability. Someone that has five rebounds a game, that gets four rebounds in the first half, no lock to get it in the rest of the game, you know? Ball's got to bounce your way. Yeah, I mean, he
0: he only needs one, by the way. I say over four, it's four plus,
1: so over three and a half. Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a big difference. So yeah, you're looking really good. The nine assists is the big one. To grab nine assists in the first half, in a game where Paul probably won't have to play 40 minutes. He's already played 20, but yeah, that's, that's halfway. That's halfway to uh, cash town, right? there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That, 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 same game parlay looks great. Now you just need the over. I mean, which, you know, they're already at what 114. So you're asking for essentially like 91 points in the.
1: So yeah, let's, let's, let's talk about this. I mean, same game parlays often have uh negative EV. They often have the big will, will juice you out, but there's oftentimes where like Draymond Green situation where they're the best play on the board. So, let's say you had good inclination to play this same game parlay, you thought it was plus EV by your analysis, and now you have this position. In my opinion, you got to be looking at live unders cuz 114, yeah, you're you're probably at 220 expected, but that's no lock. NBA is a high variance game, it's a threes and and type game. There could be a fourth quarter that's 21-19 easy in this game. So if you have an opportunity to cash in profit, especially with the total like this at halftime, I'd say you're looking at you I'd say 3 or 4 times strategically I would play a small bet on the under just to uh you know minimize my downside.
0: Yeah, because if you have a buck on this, right? You're looking at I think it was somewhere around the plus 450 range. So, would you rather sacrifice, you know, maybe 110, 115 like lay the vig and guarantee that you're either going to get your money back or you're going to profit 300 bucks. I mean, it's up to the better. Some people like to run the risk, but I'm with you. I would look at the live under this way, just in case, worst case scenario, you're getting your money back here,
1: especially because it's a close game and fourth quarters are often the least scoring scoring game because it gets tight. People take the whole 24 seconds. So that's something that's, that's that you and and physics, the master at this, he, he's taught me young pad one, a, a couple of things, but you keep these things in your mind. I have it. I'm overweighted on the over, but if my handicap liked the over then i don't want to bet back too much cuz i think it's going over but there are individual situations that i know like it being 90-90 with 40 minutes to go right i'm expecting the total to drop so i'm playing these different uh scenarios in my head at the same time uh and and that's how you win it cuz there's there's no i'm 8 and 3 that's not sustainable that's i'm not going to just go 8 and 3 on all my best bets I'm going to uh, look for my edges and strategically play. And that's, that's how you win at this game.
0: Absolutely. So, Hey, let's dive into one last game. You know, we can't, unfortunately, these two teams are playing right now. They play again in two days. We can't give any bets for Wednesday night's Utah Phoenix game. All we can say is keep an eye out on that injury report because Utah is a team where things seem to be changing right up until tip off. And so it would be irresponsible to tell you, Oh, you got to hit Phoenix. Now then Mitchell makes his return and drops a 40, 40 uh, piece McNugget. So, Let's go last game on the slate Mavs Warriors and Golden State's cold streak all started January 5th with a game in Dallas against the Mavericks they meet again McKenzie do the Warriors have a Mavericks problem or do they write the ship and do they get back on track starting with this game
1: I'm 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 curious to to think what I mean I could I could you know forge a couple theories by the way the first time uh, last time they played, it was Warriors by four and a half at Dallas, and the over-under was 213. Not necessarily that you have this opinion, but if you did have this opinion, what's the argument, the the Warriors just bad matchup with the Mavericks?
0: To me, it's, I mean, you look at their point guards, and I know that Luka is not a traditional point guard, and he's a bad matchup for probably any team's point guard, but you have Steph, who's exceptionally small, and Luka, the 6'8", 6'9", you know, 300-pound D-tackle point guard, it just created, it creates defensive matchups for a team that doesn't have Draymond, that doesn't know if they'll have Klay Thompson. All of a sudden, it's like, who the hell guards who? Who guards Luka? Who does Steph guard? I just, I don't like how Golden State matches up against a team like the Mavericks that has size that spreads the floor.
1: Yeah. I mean, I was wondering, you kind of posed the question. I was wondering if you actually had that opinion. Um, the The Mavericks are an odd team. Last year, number one offensive net rating in the league. This year, they've had nine straight unders, and their unders have gone like sixty-five percent. Top five defense in the league. I really cannot tell you why, because Luka Doncic is an incredible offensive player, and on his best days, an average defensive player. And they haven't really added too many bodies. The only the only thing that would point to that would be we talk about uh, what signals repeatable change is the coaching change. Jason Kidd, not known as an NBA savant, Rick Carlisle, much higher acclaim. But Rick Carlisle, you see what he's doing in Indiana, a lot faster pace than they're used to, a lot worse defense than they're used to. They're getting uh, you know, more perimeter-oriented. perimeter, perimeter oriented. The Mavericks have been exactly the opposite. They've slowed down, and they've played a lot better defense this year. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if that continues. And I've often said this, I often bring up 2001, probably my favorite year watching basketball, the Sixers and Allen Iverson were a great defensive team because they had one offensive player, Allen Iverson. He did the offense and then they were able to surround him with Aaron McKee, Dikembe Matumbo, you know, these luminaries in our game that no one will ever forget their name. Eric Snow, for example. Uh and I, I could see a similar situation over the long term, if the Mavericks build up a defensive team, no one in the league, I think, bar none, is ready to to man and be the the uh Omega Alpha heliocentric I do everything for this team better than Luca he just he's built that way mentally and physically um to just have the ball 20 seconds every shot clock make the best decision not lose confidence in his shot uh so yeah it'll be interesting to see where where the franchise goes they shipped off one offensive minor Carl and the gambler. Perala Bob, no longer with the Mavericks. So interesting, interesting movements we've seen with this franchise.
0: So let's look at the numbers for this game. You've got Golden State, a three-point favorite. The total is two eleven and a half. and a half. And if you look at these teams in their last 10, 11 games, McKenzie, they're going in complete opposite directions, right? You've got ever since their matchup with each other on January 5th, Golden State is just five and six straight up, which is absolutely abysmal for the team that had the best record in the NBA on January 5th. Against the spread, even worse, 3-7-1. Meanwhile, you've got Dallas, who since that uh, game, since that win, is 8-2 and two straight up. And they're covering at a 67% clip. Six wins, three losses, and a push. On the road, and as an away dog, the Mavs are covering over 50% of the time. And they thrive with one day off. They're 18 out of 29. And with equal rest, where they're 14 out of 24 but against conference opponents that's where the Mavs have the most impressive number 20 and 12 against the spread versus conference opponents that's the second best clip in the west golden state as a part of this skid has fallen to just 500 against the spread versus conference opponents and just 500 against the spread with only a single day off now that's if you're looking at the side, which right now is Warriors minus three, despite no Draymond and the fact that Clay is questionable. If you look at the total here, two eleven and a half. and a half. My best bet is the under. And here's why the Dallas Mavericks have not gone over 210 in a game in over two weeks, since before that meeting. Or, or rather, since the week of that meeting with Golden State. It's been over two weeks since the Mavericks have gone over 210. And Golden State has gone under 211.5 in six of their past 11 and in four of their past five wins. So Golden State right now is a favorite in this one. Four out of their past five wins have gone well below the posted total of 211.5. By the way, the last time that these teams met, the total was just 181. Am I expecting it to be that low, ninety-nine eighty-two again? No, that would be absolutely insane i hope it is but to expect that would be crazy but we're talking about a 30 and a half point difference i'm riding under two eleven and a half. and a half these are the two best teams in the league at hitting the under they've combined to go under the posted total in 68 percent of their games under 211 and a half is my best bet
1: joe i don't know if you're a genius or if you just happen to think like me, uh, because this would have been my best bet if I didn't turn around and say, hey, yeah, no Kyrie, I'm going to go with the Lakers, minus three and a half, but this is a great play. The Warriors versus competitive teams in general have played really tight, really close, really low scoring games. Against the Mavericks, we have a repeatable instance where they only scored 170 points in that game, and let's just talk about this. Since January 5th, you talk about these teams going in opposite directions. The Warriors only five and six. Yeah, they've been struggling on offense since January 5th, 29th in the NBA in offensive rating since the last time these guys met on defense they're number three. They've been fine. Just as good as they have been all year. Now let's talk about the Mavericks number one team in the league net rating since January 5th, including the number one defensive net rating. So you have. Two teams that are known by the public as offensive juggernauts that are playing the number one and number three defense. I think that combines to slow the pace down even more. Close playoff atmosphere. I think the Warriors really want this win. But yeah, I agree with you. Won't over talk it because it was your best bet. I like the under 212. If we can get it right now, it's two and 11 a half on FanDuel. Bonus bet for me.
0: I love it. So I'm on the Lakers minus three and a half, which is your best bet. And you're on the under two eleven and a half here, which is my best bet, Mackenzie. That tells me we have to turn in our first two 2-0 a week, and I, I believe four
1: episodes. Wasn't it three episodes back? Either way, come on, we're we're sixty four percent. We're just gonna keep. You're right. We're just gonna keep chugging away and giving the people <laughs> winners and keep doing the research, looking at the numbers, looking at all the analysis, using our heads, our minds, our wits, our Brooklyn you know, hey, uh, yo. Acumen. <laughs> and we're going to keep doing it.
0: Yeah, you're right. It was three episodes back. So on that note, we're going to make you guys some money this week. That's my guarantee to all of you. I'm not falling to 500. I'm going to seven and five. McKenzie's going to an unreal nine and three. Let's speak it into existence. Let's manifest it. And for McKenzie rivers for episode 12 of the NBA edition of RJ Bell's dream preview. I'm Joe Serralla. We'll see you guys in a few days.
1: Bing, bong, <laughs>